You are listening to Veterinary Mental Health, Turning the Stethoscope Around, Episode 12, presented by Thoughtful Life Counseling. Welcome to the podcast. I am Taylor Miller, a veterinarian and a licensed professional counseling intern. Mental health and work-life balance are critical issues for veterinary professionals. While not intended as a substitute for individual counseling, this podcast seeks to address many of the mental health concerns common to members of our profession. Hello and welcome to our second Friday podcast. Last week, we talked about well-being as a state that you would like to achieve and wellness as the trip that we take to get to that state of well-being. Wellness can also be thought of as the accumulation of change required to move us from our current state to a state in which the factors that most affect our well-being have been optimized. I'd like to spend today talking about what change is and what the prerequisites are for change, what has to be true in our lives before change can be possible. And this is going to be different for each person, but there are several large, rather universal categories that we can examine to see how our own change processes might be better understood. There are plenty of things that we know we would like to change, plenty of resolutions that we have made, although as we remember, we talked about resolutions in our Willpower podcast, and we decided that they are not going to work in our favor because they are wishes, not plans. So we need to come up with a plan. But before we can even get to the plan part, we do have to know what it is that we're trying to change and maybe what some of those barriers to change are. Let's start by considering what it is in our lives that we want to be different. The statement of what we would like to be different is often how we come up with a resolution. I want to be more fit. So that is a visualization of the different person that you would like to be. I would like to be more patient with my partner or my kids. I would like to have a retirement savings account that makes me feel safe. These are all visualizations of what that difference would look like, but they don't describe the change that would need to happen. We have an A and we have a B, but we don't have a formula to get from A to B. And that's where this podcast comes in. What is change and how do we we talk about it and think about it? The first ingredient for looking at change is mindfulness. And I know you're probably thinking that I've beaten this poor dead horse way more than it needs to be beaten. But part of that is because mindfulness encompasses so much. And it's not just that mindful meditation, that deliberate formal practice. Mindfulness also encompasses the habit of being an active observer in your life and being aware in the moment of what you're saying doing, feeling, and reacting to. So if we decide that we want something to change, one of the first steps is to observe what the current circumstance is. So get a little bit more information about that state of A. Again, we have to know where we are before we can start off on our journey. The second major component is that you have to acknowledge that change is a choice. And whether or not you are taking action, you are making a choice. 
The default choice is inaction, but it is a choice. You are choosing not to act. And this one can be a little much to swallow, particularly if you are dealing with something really difficult or having a really hard time, or if you're simply overwhelmed with life and having to decide between so many competing priorities that this idea that you're choosing not to spend time with your kids or you're choosing to leave your charts undone feels like just one more person telling you that everything is your fault. And that's not what this is about. It's meant to be empowering. It's meant to give you the opportunity to evaluate what it is that you are choosing. So if the charts are undone, you are choosing not to do them. What are you choosing to do? Maybe you are choosing to make it to the gym every night. It may be that for you, that choice gives you the health and the mental well-being that you need in order to maintain employment and maintain a an overall ability to work effectively. It may not be a choice that you would make if you could see an alternative, but the fact remains that your actions are the result of choices. The other thing about acknowledging choice is that it opens up the option that at any point you can choose to do something differently. It's not irreversible. Very few choices in our lives are irreversible, particularly choices related to well-being and daily functioning. And these are largely what we're going to be covering in this podcast, the daily act of living that allows you to be either a happy human being or one who is struggling. The major life decisions don't fall into these categories quite as neatly as decisions related to sleep hygiene or meditation practices. But much of what I describe can be extrapolated, at least to some extent, to those major life decisions as well. All right, so we have observed areas in our life where change is necessary, and we've observed carefully the circumstances that are currently existing, such that we have a clear idea of what we need to move away from. So we have moved away from having a simple picture of the future to having a clear understanding of where we are and how that is different from the ideal that we would like to achieve. Next, one has to consider what actually needs to change. If we turn back to that example of wanting to be fit, what actually has to change? Our exercise schedule? What kind of exercise we are doing? If you're not currently exercising, the change may instead be that you have to change how you manage your time or your money or your dislike of exercise Or perhaps all of them, maybe all of those factors need to change in order for you to be able to achieve that resolution. One way that can be helpful to think about it is what will I have to do differently on a day-to-day basis in order to achieve that resolution or in order to achieve that goal? If you can't come up with something that would change on a day-to-day basis, then it's unlikely that you have broken down the change process into small enough increments for it to be actionable. Sometimes the small day-to-day increment is simply observing your behavior. If your goal is to have an outcome in which you have more patience with your partner, your day-to-day may simply be observing the situations and improving your understanding of when you get upset and when you lose your your patience. So the thing that you're doing on a day-to-day basis might not be as concrete as running five miles. It may simply be observing or gathering information, but you do need to have something at least on a weekly scale, that you can clearly identify as 
a point of change in order for that change to be actionable. So let's review to this point. We have used our self-observation skills, our mindfulness skills, to clearly identify what areas in our life are different from the ideal that we see for ourselves. And in that difference, that discrepancy, we have found an area in which we would like to see change. We have also, using mindfulness, been able to identify what kind of change needs to occur, and we have accepted that change is a choice and that whether or not we are choosing action, we are making a choice. So this seems like a fair amount of work. Unfortunately, it's not enough to guarantee lasting change. Why can't recognition for the need to change result in change itself? What else do we need to have in order to be successful? Consider the phrase ready, willing, and able. Those three words can give us a framework to think about the elements that are needed for change. And I'm going to talk about them out of order, unfortunately, because that is how they make most sense to me. Willingness is recognizing the importance of change. This is particularly true in areas where you might not really want to change, but you have recognized that change is important for your greater goals or for your overall health. An example would be that you hate cardiovascular exercise, but your heart health has been suffering, so your doctor recommends it. But here's where a fine distinction comes in. Recognizing importance of something and buying into the importance of something may not sound very different, but it's critical if change is going to be effective. For change, you yourself have to believe in the importance. You have to buy into the importance. We can all objectively recognize and understand that heart health is improved with cardiovascular type exercise. But unless you buy into it on a personal level, it's not going to be strong enough necessarily to instigate change for you. The other thing we need to be careful about is a shame-based reason for change. Some people try to use shame to instigate change in other people, and it doesn't work long-term. It may have immediate results, but as we discussed in our Willpower podcast, when you're feeling negative about yourself, you often end up seeking the very behavior that you're trying to shame your way out of as a comfort response. So for lasting change to occur, you must be convinced of the importance for yourself. It can't be societal importance. It can't be the importance that a loved one places on this point of change. You yourself have to believe that it is important for you. And sometimes this can be difficult, especially if you feel you're coping well. Maybe you've heard rumors that getting more than seven hours of sleep every night is critical for your health, but you've been getting six every night and your life seems okay. You're functioning fine. There's caffeine. What else do you need? Some of my podcasts will be a deliberate attempt to convince you personally of the importance of sleep. But unless you do believe that personally, that sleep is critical, it is not going to be enough to change. So what moves us from a place where we're just contemplating change to a place where we believe in the importance of that change? For my part, I'm going to be using education and scientific fact as much as I can to give you the type of information that may convince you of its importance. For some people, change doesn't occur until you've had that wake-up call or maybe a last straw. 
For some people, unfortunately, no change is possible until there is an overwhelming pile of evidence that harm or trauma has resulted from their current path. And sometimes that harm or trauma is to yourself, you know, when you realize you're having panic attacks at work. There were probably indications much earlier on that change was necessary, but we have been taught to power through things to the point that panic attacks are finally that trigger that says, hey, change is necessary. And that's what it takes to recognize the importance. Sometimes it's simply a good episode of soul searching. So I think that we have covered the willingness element. The next is ability. Are you able to change? This is all about confidence. Are you confident that change is possible? There have been a number of studies in the counseling world because change is obviously the name of the game for us. We want to be able to facilitate change in our clients. Otherwise, there's no reason for you to come to us. We have to have confidence that change is possible, and you have to have confidence in yourself that change is possible. And that confidence explains to a great degree the difference in outcomes between groups of people. So people who have confidence that change is possible tend to see better results than those who have no confidence. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Belief allows you to take risks and allows you to experiment and put forth the effort necessary for change. It's fairly simple, but it's key. As I mentioned, part of that key is that other people believe in your ability to change, especially people that you are in close contact with on a daily basis. We include the opinions of others in our assessment of ourselves. And while this is something that mindfulness will hopefully allow us to observe in ourselves, it does happen. And it's fairly powerful, especially if it's people that we respect or love. So keep that in mind. And if you feel that you are in close contact with someone who has no belief in your ability to change a particular aspect or work towards a particular goal, it can be worth a conversation with them to examine their beliefs and let them know how that belief or that lack of belief is impacting your ability to work towards your goals. The other thing that I want to put out there has to do with the magnitude of the goals we set for ourselves. There's that that quote aim for the moon and if you fall short at least you'll fall among the stars or or something something close to that. And while I was preparing this podcast, I was thinking that if you want to be able to really count on your confidence in change, setting lofty goals may not be the best way to do that. One can still have high hopes for oneself, but set a modest but imminently achievable goal. And if you absolutely know that this goal is achievable, it will build your confidence. And the more confidence you have, the more able you will be to affect change. The more change you affect, the better able you are to meet the next goal. Setting things up such that you win will pay back into this cycle of being able to manifest change in your life. It's not lowering expectations for yourself but it is providing a pathway forward that will allow you to gain considerable momentum. And that momentum is ultimately what will win the race. It's not planning for the marathon when you get off the couch. It's planning to get out the door and run two blocks. And after those two blocks have been conquered, you know, the rest will fall into place. But maybe instead of aiming for the stars initially, we should keep our feet planted on earth and find ways to prove to ourselves that we really can. 
The final factor is whether or not we are ready for change. And this is all about whether we have prioritized this particular item that we're seeking to change. Our priorities show up in the day-to-day choices that we make. This is another area where mindfulness can be helpful because I don't think that we always recognize how the priorities that we set for ourselves consciously can be different from things that we prioritize on a day-to-day basis. If they're not matching up, this can be a significant reason why changes that we are willing and able to make aren't happening. So changes that you believe in, changes that you feel confident you can make, why they keep drifting to tomorrow or next week or next month, why we're not ready to start on them today. Typically, it's because we are prioritizing other things. And the problem with that is that on a day-to-day basis, if you're prioritizing A, B, and C today, you're probably going to prioritize A, B, and C tomorrow. And we're never going to get to L. L is just not in the landscape. And never mind, we are convinced of the importance of L and we are convinced that we are able to do L if we prioritized it. If we aren't actively prioritizing it, it's not going to happen. And this is actually what we're going to talk about next week. What are our priorities and how do we set our daily agendas in alignment with those priorities or not? Maybe they're not aligned. And how do our values play into that priority setting? And are our values being honored in the way that we prioritize our daily flow? This is a good point to remember one of the willpower traps that we discussed in a previous podcast, the idea that our brains are really good at assuming that tomorrow I will be a better me and there will be more time. If we wait to live out our values or realign our priorities with our ideals until we are that better person or there is more time, we end up living outside a value-driven life, which is one way in which we fall short of that ideal of well-being that we're aiming for here. Okay, so we need to be ready, able, and willing for change to be possible. Willing is primarily what we'll be working on in this podcast as I provide information and hopefully inspiration to consider that change important. Able is a lot more about having confidence in yourself, and I do hope that you can look at your accomplishments to date to find the confidence that you need to believe that change is possible for you. And ready is what we're going to look at next week. Today's handout will be an outline of these three categories with questions that you can use to critically examine any resolution that you currently have to see where some weak spots might be before you transition that resolution into a full-fledged plan. I do apologize. I've been having significant difficulty with my website, so getting these handouts posted has been a struggle for the past couple of weeks. I think I finally have a handle on what has been going wrong, so you should see all of these promised handouts that I keep telling you to go look at. They should all be up by the latest Monday, depending on whether this particular issue is one I can fix or whether I do continue to need assistance. But these are all coming, I do promise. As I've mentioned before, this whole technological adventure has been a complete reach outside my normal comfort zone. So it's been an incredible learning process, we will say. 
one in which I have had ample opportunity to practice some of the overwhelm techniques I have passed on to you. (laughs) I'm thinking of it as research for the podcast, in fact, these opportunities to observe the effects of stress on mental well-being. But I am excited as always to be speaking to you, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Until then, take care. This has been a mental health moment brought to you by Thoughtful Life Counseling. If you found today's episode helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving me a review. You can download the handout mentioned in today's episode by visiting my website at thoughtfullifecounseling.com. To have the handouts delivered by email, please sign up to receive my twice-monthly newsletter. If you have topic requests, questions, or comments, please contact me through my website or any one of my social media platforms. Take care of yourself and tune in next week for an examination of our values and priorities.